your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Mark, chapter 2. We finally finished up chapter 1. We'll look at chapter 2 this morning. There's something wonderful happening outside. I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but there's nothing falling from the sky this morning. <laughs> the sun's shining outside, the uh, sun's shining in here, amen? amen. amen. Mark chapter number 2, we're going to read verses 1 through 12. And when you find your place, Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, if you're able... I'll invite you to stand as we honor the reading of God's Word. Matthew chapter 2. I'm sorry, Mark chapter 2. I haven't been saying Matthew this entire time, have I? It's Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Beginning with verse number 1, the Word of God says, And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door, and he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain, certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy, sons, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, and take up thy bed, and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on the earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we bow before you this morning once again. Lord God, thanking you for your word, thanking you that your word is alive and, and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Father, I pray that, Lord, you convict our hearts this morning of where we need convicting. Father, I pray that you will encourage us in the areas that we need encouraging. Father, I pray that you will strengthen us where we're the weakest. Father, and I pray for the one that might be here, Lord, that is just drifting along without any, uh, without a Savior. That they have not turned to Jesus Christ in faith and asked for forgiveness. I pray that you convict that person's heart. Lord, draw them to you. Save that person. Father, if we have been strained from you this morning... Your children, Father, I pray that you convict us and draw us back to you. Lord God, this morning we ask that you be glorified in the reading of your word, that you be glorified in the preaching of your word, that Jesus Christ be exalted and lifted up, and Lord, all men are drawn to him. These things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. This morning I want to speak to you on this subject, 
When Jesus is in the house. When Jesus is in the house. As we've been going through the uh, book of Mark, we finished up chapter 1 a, a couple of weeks ago. And we've seen Jesus do a lot of different things, haven't we? We've seen him go and he's... Uh, taught the word of God. We saw how he was uh, baptized by John the Baptist and he had the uh, the approval of God on him at that moment. We saw where he had went into the synagogues and would teach the word of God. We saw how um, he would heal those that have been possessed of demons and those that have been uh, afflicted by various types of diseases. And this morning we look and we see that he is come now he was in Capernaum at one time just not too long before this and he had to leave because everybody was pressing in on him they they wanted to see all the miracles again they they were coming to Jesus for his show so Jesus had to leave for a little for a few days to let all the uh the excitement die down about him and so it comes back and it find we find that he is now in a house in Capernaum Jesus is in the house and folks let me tell you this when jesus is in the house some things start to happen don't it and when i speak of house i mean we could be there's a number of ways we can and will apply this when jesus is in your house where you are the husband where you are the wife where you are the mother where you are the father when jesus is in that house some things start to happen but then also paul writes to timothy 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 15. And he's referring to the church. And he says, he says, but I, I tarry long that you may know how to behave yourselves in what? The house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. When Jesus Christ is in this house, some things start to happen, don't they? And folks, you may say to yourself, well, it, Jesus is in every church. Folks, I've been in a lot of churches Amen. where, Amen. trust me, Jesus ain't nowhere to be found. Amen. It's a sad report on Amen. a lot of churches, Amen. but it's the truth. And see, when Jesus is there, you'll always know because the Word of God will be centered on it. People will be more focused on the Word of God and how to serve Him than they would on any other thing. I was telling uh, Miss Rachel this morning, Ann and I went and visited a church uh, several years ago. We was living in Mobile, and uh, we went and visited this church, and the preacher uh, was out, the pastor was out, and he had a friend filling in for him. And this guy stood up, and he began to preach, quote-unquote. And as he was preaching, this whatever you want to call it, it wasn't a sermon, it wasn't a message, but he made this statement. He was referencing the 70s and the 80s when the Southern Baptist Convention was in, uh, involved in uh, liberalism. And uh, they were, this conservative resurgence was coming about. And this man, uh, as he gave this message that morning, he talked and he said, he said, all people were concerned about then was doctrine. He said, you would hear messages about uh, the miracles and whether or not the axe had floated and this and that. He said, people don't want to hear all of that. He said, people don't care about whether or not the axe had floated, whether or not uh, these miracles really took place. And I looked at Anna and I said, just as soon as we're done here, I said, we're leaving, we're never coming back. Amen. You know, you may sit there and you think, well, I don't really care if the miracles happen or not. Something's terribly wrong. Because, folks, 
It's the miracles that validate the Word of God. That's why when you see the miracles taking place uh, and Jesus doing them, it's to validate the message that He has. And we're going to look at that and see this in this passage as well. Folks, I don't know about you, but when I come to worship on Sundays, and why not we come to prayer meeting on Wednesday nights, I want Jesus Christ to be in the midst of us. Amen? I think that He, hey, this is His house. He should have the rule over His house. Amen? Amen? When somebody comes into my house, they're not in my house, they're not going to touch my thermostat. That's my house. I'm the leader in my house. Folks, when we come into church, we this this place isn't up for us to be changing. This is the Lord's house. He's central. He is the head of the church. So what happens? When Jesus is in the house. Well, let's look and we see three things. First thing I want us to notice. When Jesus Christ is in the house, there's some excitement. Amen. There is some excitement going on when Jesus Christ is in the house. Look what it says in verse number one. It says, and again, he entered into Capernaum after some days. And look at this. It was noised that he was in the house. Amen. People were excited. There was a clamor going on. There were people talking and and they were telling other people, hey, Jesus is over here. Jesus is in this house. And people were were clamoring and they're saying, you've got to hear Jesus. He's, He's visiting this house. There was some excitement going on. There was some excitement about Jesus Christ being in this particular house. And look at what happens. It says, and straightway, when, when it was noise that Jesus was in this house, it says, straightway, many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. There was so much excitement going on, and so many people, listen, get this, there were so many people going out and saying, Jesus Christ is over here. He's not in this house. He's over here in this house. And there were people saying, oh, we've got to come and see Jesus Christ. We've got to get to where Jesus is at. And so they come to this house, and they see that he's he's there. Man, the word starts going out. People are saying, man, look what's going on over here. Jesus is in there. What is he doing? What's What's he doing to get the people excited that he is in this house? Is he doing miracles? What is he doing? Is he healing the sick, causing the blind to see? No, what does it say he's doing? He preached the word unto them. Isn't it amazing that just a few days before this, all people were concerned about was the miracles and the fleshly things that they thought that they could get out of Jesus? But now something's happened. They've seen the miracles. But now, since the miracles have taken place, it seems as if that message that he has has been validated. And so now they don't care about the miracles, but now they're focusing on the word. So Jesus is in this house preaching the word to them. And it's getting them excited. It's getting them wound up. Let me ask you this. What excites you in your life? We, we live in a, a world and in a country where we are blessed with a lot of things, aren't we? And, 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 and we, we are so blessed that, 
you know, if we want and we have the uh, can afford the funds to do certain things, we'll go out and we'll do it, won't Amen. we? And we'll we'll go and we'll we'll get excited and we'll we'll make plans and and say I've got to have this much money and I'm gonna uh, go and I'm gonna uh, call up all my buddies and and we're gonna get it we're excited we're gonna go uh, fishing on this weekend Amen. and we're gonna and and old so and so just got a new bass boat and I'm sure he's willing ready to get it taken out man that people get excited about fishing and they make all the plans to to go they go and they get their equipment ready and set up and man they go out and they fish and they have a good time what do they do when they get back man we just had a great uh, cast we caught a, a fish that was that was th- th- uh, about this big And they tell everybody about what a great time they had fishing. Man, we get we get excited about football games. We fork over money and we'll go uh, if the people can't afford it, and uh, they'll go and they'll uh, make a trip over to New Orleans and they'll watch the Saints play football. They'll go down to uh, Biloxi and go to uh, uh, the Shucker Stadium and watch the Shuckers play baseball. They get excited about it. They come back and they tell everybody about what's going on at the Shuckers game, at the Saints game. The fact of the matter is, people get excited. What excites you? Now, let me ask you this. Do you get more excited about these hobbies? Do you get more excited about, about fishing, about camping, about hunting? About vacations, about uh, baseball and football. Do you get more excited about these things than you do about what Jesus Christ is doing in your life and in the life of the church? I believe in a lot of instances we need to get our priorities straight. These things are fun and these things are good and and, uh, they're here for our enjoyment. But listen, the first and foremost thing we should take joy in and the first and foremost thing we should take pleasure in is the fact that Jesus Christ loved us so much that he died for our sins and saved us when we put our faith and trust in him. And if you don't get as excited about that as you do some other extracurricular activity, then something is wrong. And we'll go and we'll tell other people and try and get them involved in these different activities. But yet, we fail to invite people to church. We fail to share the gospel with other people. And it was this excitement that, that brought the people into this house. The fact that everybody was excited and they went and they told others to, to y'all got to come here and see what Jesus is doing. And knowing who Jesus was, these people, these four men, knew who Jesus was, knew what he could do. And they brought this loved one, this friend of theirs, to see Jesus. Verse number three, and they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. Four men carrying a bed that carried this man that had palsy, which is a paralysis. When it talks about a bed, it was probably just a, uh, more like just a blanket or a sheet that they were carrying on, one at each corner. They brought him, they... They looked and they said, man, we can't get in here. 
There's too many people. We can't get into this house. Did that stop them? No. In fact, they did what they could to get Jesus, or get this man to Jesus. They did what they could. Look what it says. When they could not come nigh unto him for the press, it says they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. Man, they had to climb up on top of this roof. And the roofs in this days was uh, tile that was just kind of stacked on top of each other. Uh, some places had tile. Some other places might have had, had straw. But it was something that, that they could have very uh, easily gotten into. But yet they, they had to climb up there, had to carry this man on the, uh, in, in his bed. So they, they got up there and they let the house down. Or they let the roof down and they lowered this man into the house. Why? Because the only hope for this man was in that house. The only hope for this man to walk again was in that house. The only hope for this man to, to be able to enjoy life once again as he had before was found in that house. So they did what they could to get him inside the house so that this man might have an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. How many people do we know that are something like this man? Maybe not not physically crippled, but spiritually crippled. That are spiritually blind. Amen. They can't look around and, and see the, the miracles that, that are before us. They can't look around and see the, the creation that God has made for us. Amen. They're spiritually crippled. And they can't walk towards God. They can't do anything for God because of their, their spiritual crippledness. Amen. They're stuck right where they're at. You know, it's sad to say that that describes a lot of Baptist churches today. Amen. They're stuck right where they're at. And all they can do is remember the good old days. Surely that's not you, is it? <laughs> I remember when... The church was was doing was was filled, and the, the we had we had this going on and that going on, and, and we dwell on the good old days of the church, but we don't focus that hey we can have those good old days again if we look forward to the future. Amen. And the only way we can get up out of that rut is when we stop focusing on the past. Stop focusing on ourselves and focus on Jesus Christ and His will and work. Amen. So these men, they knew that they had to get this friend of theirs to Jesus. Folks, we are knows these people. We know these people that are spiritually blind, spiritually crippled, that have no hope in this life other than Jesus Christ. Are we doing what we can to get them to Christ? You say, well, I'm just not good at sharing the gospel. And I can understand that. 
There's a lot of people that just, they're shy, they uh, might be scared a little bit. But here's one thing that you can do, and uh, Pastor Johnny Hunt of First Baptist Church of Woodstock, Georgia, this is something that he encourages his people to do all the time, and I encourage you to do it as well. You might not be able to uh, talk to people about Jesus, but like uh, some of his disciples did, they brought people to Jesus. Say, how can you physically do that? Where does Jesus reside? What did I just talk about earlier about the house? We can bring him to the house of God. Get them under the preaching of the gospel and hear about this man. Let me rephrase that. Hear about this God man known as Jesus Christ. Who has the power to heal them spiritually and physically if it be his will. But this man came to him. says, and Jesus saw their faith. And he said, in the sick of the palsy. Notice that. They had covered the roof. They broke it down. And Jesus saw their faith. They had faith. They, they believed that Jesus Christ had these powers to do other miraculous things. And so they brought this man to Jesus. They had this faith that, hey, if we get him to Jesus, he can do exceedingly abundant things. He can heal this man. That's all they were asking. That's all they were really looking for, it appears to be. Just that this man be healed. So it says, Jesus saw their faith. And he says in the sick of the palsy, Son, notice this, thy sins be forgiven thee. Well, they weren't expecting that, were they? They were expecting something temporarily, something physically to take place. That Jesus would, would heal him physically, but yet... Isn't that just how God works? When we expect Jesus to do one thing, he goes above and beyond our expectations. And so rather instead of receiving a physical healing at this moment, he receives a spiritual healing. His sins are forgiven. Why? Because of his faith. Romans chapter number 10. As Paul writes to the Roman church, he says in verse number 11, he says, For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. They had heard about Jesus, and they had faith that he could do what he had, what they had been told he could do. Amen. See, as they come to him, their hearts. Notice, it don't say that they said anything. 
But their hearts were crying out to Jesus. Their hearts were crying out that he heal this brother, this friend. And Jesus, seeing their faith, forgives them. Forgives him of their sin, of his sin. What excitement must have taken place then? Amen. You know what the Bible says when somebody is forgiven of their sins? It says Jesus in his parable say that there's joy in the presence of the angels when a repentant sinner comes to Christ. Amen. Excitement, joy over forgiveness of sins. Does that get you excited? You see, earlier in Jesus' ministry, what really got him excited was the thought, hey, He's putting on a good show. He's performing miracles. And so they got excited. And they all pressed on him. And, and when all that happened, he, he had to withdraw himself. Because they were just wanting the miracles. Is that what you're after? Just the miracles? Just the physical things that Jesus can do for you? If that's what you're after, then I've got news for you. Jesus isn't your God. You are. That's the message that a lot of people are passing off these days. That's the gospel. That if you come to Jesus, all these great things can happen to you. You'll receive healing. You'll receive money. You'll become popular. Jesus can't do anything unless you give him permission to do it. That's what they say. And literally what they're saying is, hey, if you give Jesus permission to and tell him to uh, give you money and what you want they'll say he is bound by his word to do this that's what Kenneth Copeland uh, Creflo Dollar Benny Hinn that's what all these people on TV preach and teach it's a prosperity gospel and a prosperity gospel is no gospel at all What Jesus Christ is more concerned about is your soul Amen. Amen. and where you will spend eternity. Say, so how can you know that? Well, what does the Bible say? We all know John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not be sick and poor but have wealth and health. <laughs> Not at all what it says. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's great to hear about the Lord working things out. But you know what's even greater? To hear about somebody coming to faith in Christ. It gets me excited. and It gets me... What's the word? Just dumbfounded to think that in my wretched, sinful state, rebellious state, that Jesus Christ still loved me enough to go to the cross for me. Amen. Amen. And he did the same for you. Amen. Do you have the faith of these men? It says when he saw their faith, he turned to the one that was sick, paralyzed, helpless, couldn't do anything of his own. But he turned to him and he said, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Spiritually speaking, does that describe you? You're helpless. Unable to do anything of your own for God. Spiritually crippled. Spiritually lame. Faith. Faith says, I can't do anything of myself, but Jesus Christ can do it for me. That's what separates Christianity from all the false religions in the world. All the religions say, you can do it. Jesus says, you can't do it, but I did it for you. When Jesus is in the house, there is excitement. Is there excitement in in your house where you lead as a father, a mother, a husband or wife? Is Jesus central, the Word of God central to the raising of your kids, the loving of your spouse? Because this is when it's present in the church and it's present in the house, there's still excitement going on. The husband and wife are excited to love each other. They're excited about raising their family, raising their kids. It kills me to hear people say uh, and talk about kids like they're a burden. Kids aren't a burden, they're a blessing. And as you get Jesus Christ central in your life, you'll realize that. Now, do they get on your nerves sometimes? Oh, yeah. But they're still a blessing from God. Might even be a way in which God gives you patience. You know that old saying, don't pray for patience or he'll give you some opportunities for it. (laughs) 
But when Jesus was in this house, there was an excitement about it. People noised abroad, hey, Jesus is here. And so that brought the people in to see what Jesus was doing and what he was preaching. And that they were focused upon him and the word of God. And when they came, expecting something physical maybe, they received the ultimate healing. And that was their sins being forgiven. This morning, have you experienced salvation in Jesus Christ? Your sins being forgiven through him and him alone. Nothing you can say or do or work your way to forgiveness. But you're saved, the Bible says in Ephesians, not by works, but by grace through what? Faith. Just what these men had. Jesus saw their faith and he forgave this man of his sins. Faith in Jesus Christ brings forgiveness and it gets you excited about life. So we stand to our feet. We'll have our final hymn of invitation. We'll finish this message up this evening. I don't know how the Lord's dealt with you this morning. Maybe you're here and you say, you know, I've been a Christian for a for a while, but my fire is just burning out. There, there's just the uh, the world has just come and it, it's just has doused fire all over the flame that was once burning bright in my life. Does that describe you? What about you're here and you think you know my faith just isn't what it used to be. I've been through some hard times and and it just doesn't seem like like things are, are working out. Remember, God's ways are not our ways. Amen. It might seem like it's taking you a long time to get you up out of a pit. But Jesus Christ is there with you in that pit. And in his timing, he's going to deliver you out of that pit. Does that describe you? Maybe you're here this morning and you are spiritually crippled. Bible would call you dead in your trespasses and sins. The only hope you have in this life is Jesus Christ. Would you put your faith in him this morning? Bow with me as we pray. Heavenly Father, for those that are here, Lord, that have had their fire squashed by the world, Lord God, I pray that you would give them a, a fresh uh, insight to your word and your spirit. Lord, uh, Get them fired back up, Lord. Remind them of their lostness and their need for a Savior. And Father, I pray, Lord, that for that one that might be here that is lost, convict them. Lord, don't let them leave this house, this building, until they know for certain that they are saved. And Father, if they do leave here, I pray that you will constantly remind them that Jesus Christ is the only way. Lord, I pray that you bless this time of invitation and have your will and way with each heart and life present. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our broadcast. I hope you'll join us again next time with Rick Clark Ministries.